like that woman pressing through the crowd she would not be denied she must touch his garment she must reach out to touch Jesus amen and that's why we're here tonight we want to reach out and touch him and have him touch our lives amen amen we have needs in our midst we have needs in our lives and God is able to supply every need amen I'd like to sing that I would not be denied together Amen. It's like pangs of death, but until the Lord Jesus comes and makes us whole. Amen. Hallelujah. When pangs of death seized on my soul, I sing this little chorus together. 
Blessed be, blessed be. Blessed be. Oh, blessed be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be. Oh, blessed be. Blessed be your name. You are Lord.
Lord. We magnify you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Your name is above every name, O oh Lord. Your name is above every name, and there is no more powerful than you, O oh God. Oh, and you have already provided our needs, Father. For you are Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Tzikhanu. You are Jehovah Shammah. You are with us, Lord. Oh, God, and when you are with us, Lord, you, have, you are all that we need, Father. We thank you for your presence tonight, oh God. We thank you for the revealing of yourself unto us, Lord. Making yourself known by the revealing of your word, Father. Quickening our faith to believe, oh God, for the impossible, Father. Oh God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you, Lord. For you are worthy of our praise, oh God. Worthy of our praise, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Brother Richard Drake, could I ask you to come and pray with us this evening? Amen. We have many needs. I haven't got anything written here particularly, but we have many needs in our congregation. We just want to hold them up before the Lord. A favorite quote of mine has just been going over and over. Brother Branham talking about God is a God of the impossible there's nothing impossible with God and then he turns around and he ties two scriptures together and he says and there's nothing impossible for them that believe amen that's us tonight we are believers amen there's nothing impossible for we who believe amen let's go with prayer tonight brother Richard why don't you come and Amen. Bless you. Bow our heads. Father, Lord, we've entered the house of God as saints of the living God come assembling ourselves together, bringing our licks of fire. And I pray, Father, as we open the service, Lord, with praise and thanksgiving, O God, in song, I pray, Father, that you would move in our midst this evening, Father, in just that special way. And Lord, I know that there, there weren't prayer requests penned down, but I know there's several that have been mentioned. And I know our, our brother Jan uh, Rogne, oh God, the pastor in a hospital in Norway, Father, and he's, he's, they moved his surgery till Monday, but Father, that's kind of Sunday our time. I pray that you would, you would touch him, Lord Jesus, his, this, his heart issue that he's got. Father, for Brother Randy, Lord, we, we heard, Father, that he'd had a fall and, and broke a shoulder, and I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, strengthen him, Father, tonight, Lord. I know he's, he's got to wait for surgery too, Lord, and he's in a lot of pain, and I pray, Father, you would just move on his behalf. And Lord, for Sister Tracy, Lord, knowing that the doctors couldn't find anything, but Lord, that demon can't hide from you. Lord Jesus, 
As sons and daughters of God, Father, we place the blood of Jesus Christ between that which is bothering our sister, Father, and her, Lord Jesus. As the daughter of God, she has the right, Lord God, to send Satan on the run. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would move on her behalf and strengthen her faith, O God, to stand, Lord Jesus, on the promise of the scripture for your healing. Lord, this affliction has been a long time, and I pray, Father, you would bless her in this trial. Lord, that she would be able to raise up for your glory and for your honor. And that she, Father, would be able to be with the saints of God and worship in your presence, Lord, here. We thank you for all these things, Lord. And for the word tonight, Lord, as it, as it reaches, it was that you reach out to us through your word. Lord, I pray that we would be receiving vessels, empty vessels. Lord, pour it in, Father, we pray. And strengthen us, each one we ask in Jesus Christ's name. saints you have your seats tonight just one quick announcement um, for anyone who did not sign up for the Thanksgiving potluck Saturday um, I believe that's down at the camp but would like to attend just pe- please feel free to uh, bring a shareable platter of food that's for anyone that did not sign up but still would like to uh, come just bring a shareable platter of food. Amen. Let's sing, uh, My Heavenly Home is Bright and Fair. I feel like traveling on. Hallelujah. You know, in this world, we've got nothing but heartache and sorrow. And, uh, you know, it just keeps, seems to get, keep piled on higher and deeper, right? But you know, there's a song that says, there will be peace in the valley for me. Isn't that wonderful? The valley on this side is a valley of sorrows, a valley of the shadow of death. We just go through trials in the valley and we speak of the mountaintop experiences. But on the other side, amen, in our heavenly home, we'll have peace in the valley. We'll walk, maybe have our arm around the mane of a lion and the other arm a tiger maybe a grizzly bear following behind and you know it'll all be okay we'll be buds hallelujah the way it ought to be my that's going to be wonderful hallelujah all right let's start Mm, my heavenly home is bright and safe i feel
Can we sing that song as Brother Michael comes, the goodness of God? All my life you have been faithful. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I
are so thankful, Lord, that your goodness, Lord, it ran after us, Lord. Lord, it pursued us. Lord, it took a hold of our hearts, Lord. It constrained us, Lord. Lord, you brought us into your fold, Lord. Some may be like a lost lamb. But Lord, you ran after, Lord, the left and ninety and nine, and each one of us here, Lord, are the one. And you went after, and here we gather now in your fold, thankful that the great shepherd, Lord, took his eye and cared for us. Lord, tonight would you, Lord, be, Lord, the speaker to our hearts, Lord, not man tonight. And Lord, you would take your arms around this little sheepfold here. You'd minister, Lord, to the needs of your people. Lord, that we could leave, Lord, this little evening of fellowship together, Lord, edified and built up, Lord, and strengthened in your word. Lord, may it not just be an hour or two spent, Lord, of time, but, Lord, may it be, Lord, a cherished moment in your presence, Jesus. So we invite you tonight. You are the welcome to guest, Lord. We welcome you in our presence in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you tonight. Happy to be in the house of the Lord. You know, sometimes on a Wednesday, it's that midweek, you know, and it's kind of just trudging through the week, it seems, eh, Gabe? And you finally, you get to church, and you're like, ah, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's just sometimes that Wednesday can be a tough one. But uh, so, pray the Lord meet you tonight. <laughs> if it was a tough slugging, it was a tough slugging Monday, I tell you that. I felt, like, I felt like Monday, it had already felt like Thursday. And uh, so I sure hope the rest of your week wasn't like that, you know, three Mondays worth already. But uh, pray the Lord just meet you tonight. We're just going to fellowship around the Word. Just a little thought, and uh, maybe the Lord will strengthen you in, in, in a way. Why don't you turn your Bibles? Thank you, musicians. Appreciate it. Just a little note, as you turn your scriptures, we'll have a few scriptures to read tonight. You can turn to First Peter chapter uh, 1, but as you're doing that, just uh, on Saturday, I don't think it was mentioned, but the Saturday meal is at 4 o'clock. I don't think that, that was uh, mentioned anywhere, so uh, we sort of, it's, that's the time that the uh, Thanksgiving dinner will have, and we're looking forward to a good time together. Amen. We haven't been able to do that. This is our second year. We've now been uh, able to use our camp this way, and uh, we had a wonderful time last year, so... Just a, just a relaxing time. Maybe the, hopefully we pray the weather can hold itself back. We can maybe build a nice fire. We can fellowship together. It strengthens the body. Minister to each other. and we, that's, that's what it's for. Amen. So we're going to turn to First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Scripture says, Seeing... You have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with, pure, with a pure heart fervently. 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth. And the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. Turn uh, back a few chapters, or I should say books, into Ephesians 2. Very familiar scripture. 
you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. That's where we're going to start, right there. Where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among who also we had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and, the, and the, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, amen, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. Amen. I love that little brackets there that, uh, that Paul desired to put in there. Brackets, in my Bible at least, by grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together, made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved. In case you hadn't got that earlier, he was making sure you got it again. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading the word and the words tonight that you may have your seats. As you're sitting down, I'm just going to read another verse for you, just to save some time a little bit. You don't have to turn. 2 Corinthians 4 says, in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have nothing to do with it. Dead zero. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Amen. Lots of scriptures. I pray I can try to weave those together. <laughs> Even if I didn't say anything else, the word is enough. Amen. If the Lord quickened those, those verses to you, that's all that it needs to do. I'm going to take just a little bit of a, a little topic tonight, uh, maybe a bit of a part two, per se, of, of the last service that we spoke here, uh, God Don't Venture, and uh, maybe a similar thought or just a different angle. So I won't name it part two, but it'll be like part two. <laughs> all right. I'm going to just title tonight, The Unstoppable Seed, The Unstoppable Seed of God. Amen. You know, we go through life, we come across maybe certain uh, areas or certain things, mostly some people, that we would consider unstoppable. You know, there's just certain, and probably you'd say most of those times, what would come to my mind quite quickly is usually somebody in sports. It's they're just like, they're, they're, their athleticism, uh, their abilities, they're just unbeatable. Uh, I know some of you that are soccer fans are hoping that your team playing in the World Cup is unbeatable. But uh, Canadians here, don't hold your breath. <laughs> Just be thankful we made it. Anyways, that's for the soccer fans. <laughs> I don't think Canada's unstoppable. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I don't know which team is unstoppable this year, but nonetheless, uh, it's, 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 uh, certain teams have the knack of it being that way, and even certain specific players, I even researched, I said, who is like the, who's the most unstoppable athlete of all time? You know what they call them? They call them the goat. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I guess it's like the greatest of all athletes or greatest of all time. The goat. Greatest of all time. There we go. There's the acronym for you. Who, who wants that acronym? I'm the goat. <laughs> well, that doesn't just 
have the same impact as I'm unstoppable. I'm on top of the world and the best athlete in the world. It just, goat just doesn't come across quite the same way. So I'm pretty sure people like LeBron James or Ronaldo just didn't, didn't carry that and say, hey, you, know, you got it. I am the goat of soccer. It probably didn't do that. But these guys are, are you know, different ones or are on top of the world, I should say. I would say in their world or their league, unstoppable. In fact, I know the jury's out. You know, you can't really compare across different, uh, uh, you know, sports. But I have to say that Wayne, Wayne Gretzky was definitely, man, he's hard to beat. I know, I know some of you all that are on different, you know, different sports might disagree. But he was incredible, actually. They call him the great one. Uh, in this world, that to the people of this world, he was a great one. We have a different great one. Amen. Stafford Stat on this world, he, he, he kind of hits, hits the top. And people look at him and how, you know, how did he, how on earth did one man get all this ability? He could rise to a certain level of, of uh, you know, just uh, of his athleticism and such, and he'd become what we'd say elite. And, and to some that played against him, probably unstoppable, almost superhuman. In some aspects, when you actually even look at his stats, if you uh, are that kind of person. But they had this, you know, what would you say, maybe a super ability or, or something, and people put them up on a pedestal, and there's something inside of them, and just, un, you know, no one could even really, really touch them, per se. But, you know, there's, there's, only, there's one thing out of all of them. It didn't really matter who they were. I mean, if you looked them oh, everybody up. I don't care if you're in Hollywood and you're on top of your game. You're just the actor of all actors. I don't really care which area it is. Somebody is, is on the top and it just seems like they're taking, uh, you know, taking the world by storm. But there's just one thing. There's one thing that man has searched for, desired to try and, and, uh, and come against. But uh, they could achieve it all. They could attain it all. But out of all those names, even the few that I mentioned, there's one thing that stopped them. And some haven't, hasn't stopped them yet, but it's death. None of them. Right. Nothing. Nobody can stop that. Man has searched. Oh boy, have they desired for that. The search for e- eternal life is, uh, is riddled through humanity. Go all the way back. You know, my goodness, people, whether it's the, you know, the flower of infinite life or the elixir of eternity, it doesn't really matter. The fountain of youth, they've got names for it all. The Holy Grail, I mean, they, they're, they're searching. They're desiring some way that death would not stop them. Really, that's at the bottom line. You, I don't really care what you can attain. You can attain all the earthly glory you want. But everybody comes up to a point and death stops them in their tracks. You know, the storylines play out to some delicate treasure, some frail object, some certain time that it becomes active. I mean, they, they've got it all. They, they, they crave it. They desire. Some so obsessed. In fact, they're so obsessed with it, they've got all their superheroes, uh, which have just seemed to blow out of the sky over these last years. Superman just don't die. I mean, he's been living for a long time. In fact, he's morphed into so many ways. All the superhuman powers that he has now, he didn't even have them back in the 50s and 60s or whenever he originated. He, did, he gained them. He gained them. He's got new powers. He just won't die. He continues on, new villains, but nothing stops him. And humanity is drawn to this. Humanity is drawn to a superman, a superhuman, somebody that's invincible. You know, I thought it very unique. Satan is just a perverter. He got nothing new. Nothing new. 
I won't even ask who are Superman fans because, you know, I'm not even going to ask you. <laughs> sure hope none of you. But you know what he draws from? He draws radiation from the sun. <laughs> That's where his power lies because he's able to metabolize the radiation that comes from the sun. I said, you know what? What a perversion. A Superman. There's only one people that can draw strength from an S-O-N. Amen. That's where we draw our invincibility from. It's from the Son of God. Amen. And super, that's where Superman came for, comes from and his, his, his powers come from that. And into the, into, the, into the super world, he's an unstoppable force. But I will say, <clears throat> they search for it, they long for it, and it does exist. It does exist. <laughs> you know, they just don't know where to find it. It's out there. It's there to be attained, actually. Believe it or not, it's, it, to me, it's a mockery in the face of humanity that he throws out all of these different Marvel characters of all superhumanness, and it's actually attainable. But you know, we'll go all the way back and take a journey a little bit through time. Because at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he went through 6,000 years, six days to create an Eden that was so perfect. And he created an Adam, which at the end of the day would be quite super. (laughs) He was the first man, and he was a God. He was the son of God. And he had all the power. Don't be so quiet. It's true. (laughs) It's your scripture. But you know, one walked in, a deformer stepped in, desiring to pervert, desiring to ascend. As the scripture said, it said, how are the fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? In the scripture number 13, Isaiah 14, verse 13 says, he said that he, St. Lucifer said in his heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Oh, he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Somebody was desiring the ultimate super powers. He desired to create. He desired to be God. Satan did. This is what he desired. And so here he was at the beginning, or however long... It time transpired and he walked into Eden and through the serpent started to throw reasoning and sowing seeds of unbelief and down. And Brother Bram says Satan's purpose from Eden was to make his own self an Eden, to exalt himself above so the stars of God would worship him, so the sons would worship him. He desired to be worshiped. He desired to be the, the number one. He desired to be on top. He, des- he desired it all. And it, cra- and it burned within himself till he said, I'm going to be like God. And here, he started to spray. Brother Abraham talks about spraying poison. And everywhere he sprays, he started to deform and to alter, really, through that unbelief at the fall. It's, it altered then the very seeds of God. And here he begins to build, really, his own force to reckon with. He takes those and, uh, out of heaven, fallen angels, and he's on, he dead. the devil's on the move. He was on the move to create his own Eden, as Brother Branham said. He wanted to create his own place where he was worshipped as God. This was his desire. And so he filtrates the Garden of Eden, and with a handful of words and actions, it seems like he stops God's plan right in its tracks. 
brakes seemingly were put on quite heavily. And Brother Bram says, oh, how it was terrible that morning. He said, darkness hanging in the garden. He said, I'll imagine fog of black sackcloth. I'd imagine every leaf never moved. There was no wind to stir, and it was darkness and terrible. He said, and sin blotted out, had blotted out. He said, there come Jehovah down like a roar of thunder, walking through the garden, crying, Adam, Adam, where art thou? That's when Adam realized he said he was naked and sinned before God. But Abraham said, there in the garden, the sin was so black. Jehovah come in, and he stood, his couple standing, condemned. He said, there'd be no more human race. He said, they had to die, death that... On the human race, give the world back to the wild beast. And there would be no human race. But in the darkest hour, in the time when all hopes was gone, he said, grace, come pouring through. Amen. He said, I'd give you a savior, a messiah. Oh, it's a wonder how God could ever do it. God's amazing grace in the Garden of Eden that give them the promise of a just one who would come through the woman. He said, the woman's seed shall bruise the serpent's head. The guilty one in his head shall bruise her heel. And so here, where it looked like God's plan had stopped right in its tracks, God had already had a plan in place. Satan thought he had it. Satan says, uh-uh, this is going to be my Eden. I'm going to come here. This is my domain. I'm taking over. I'm going I'm I'm to come in. And God, God, through his great plan and great mind, already had something underway. Amen. And so creation started to change. Thorns started to grow. Beasts started to feed upon other beasts. Corruption started to set in. What a terrible moment. As Adam and Eve walked away, death was introduced into creation because a corruptible seed was sown into the womb of Eve. What a deformer. Did you deform? It, it stunts growth. It limits potential when you deform something. It really twists it so that it really can't fulfill what it's intended to do. That's what Satan does. He limits you. He deform, a plant that's deformed, it can't produce the fruit. It's unable to produce what the life inside desires to do, and it stops or it halts it in its place. But Abraham says, I'm going to call. Instead, he goes, I'm going to call. He's a deformer. He deforms the things. He, he's a deformer, a perverter, a corrupter of the original seed and the original program. Now you see in here, like a little group here this morning, you got a vision. Watch this. He says, you got a vision? Now we heard on Sunday. Do we have a vision? Yeah, the vision hasn't changed. Amen? We do have a vision. We've had a vision for 50 years by a pastor. That vision hasn't changed. He says, do you have a vision? He says, watch for that corrupter. Ooh. He said, he'll be sly. He'll be slick as he can be, you see. But keep your vision, boy. See, keep holding that. He's a corrupter. He's wanting to get you just off a little bit to pervert or deform it just a hair because it'll lose the life that's in it. He says, you got a vision? Don't let that corrupter in. Keep your eyes very straight and focused. He says, we find out when he comes in, he deformed that seed and he corrupted the seed by getting into the bedding ground of Eve, corrupting it with a corruptible seed before it could get there and he corrupted the beautiful garden of Eden. And Satan's still out, still corrupting, still destroying, still desiring that he could get access or deform the pure seed of God, all right? Now, the devil knew somebody was to rise up. He knew. It was, he heard right then and there. Somebody was coming to crush, his, crush the head, bruise a heel. He knew this. And so he knows that if he can just deform it, 
If I can just hybrid it a little bit, the power is gone. If I can just twist the word a little bit and, and put a little seed of doubt or reason you, with you somehow, I know I've got you. I, you. It's hybrid. You've twisted it, and I can deplete the power that you need to survive, and you're dead. Because he did that just one time, and the whole creation died. And that's what happens. Too many people start to hybrid the word adding their own thoughts and ideas, and it loses the power. Well, you know, I don't really need to come to church anymore. I can just, you know, do my own thing at home. Oh, yeah. We'll see how that works out. You're going to lose the power, to be honest. Gather yourselves that much more together as you see the day approaching, is what my Bible says. Oh, I don't really need to live a holy life. I can really, you know, just take this little area of Laodicea and, and, and enjoy it a little bit. Or I, I can keep these streaming services or this music. It's just a little bit okay. And you're, you're hybriding. You're deforming the word of God is what you're doing. And you're losing power that you need to combat it. That's what you're doing. Uh, the prophet, maybe he didn't really mean that exactly. You know, I, don't, I don't think that's what he said. You know, or that was, that was 1953. And, and you know, it's just different times now. You're deforming it. Just the smallest amount of reasoning. I don't care really what topic you want to choose. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you strip the life out of it. And then you're going to do that in your home. And you're going to set a certain standard in your home. And you're going you're to cause your children to say, well, if my parents can kind of just tweak that verse a little bit or, or maybe not take that message quite exactly the way Brother Branham says it, so then what are you portraying before them? Because you're, you've killed it for yourself and you've killed it for them. And it's deforming and deforming. And where you think you're just making it through, your children sure won't. But Abraham says, instead of the straight word of God, instead of the spirit-filled men in the church who are led by the spirit given revelation, now it's creeds, it's bylaws, it's, it's educated guesses it's by educated men. It's learning has taken the place of revelation. He says, reason has replaced faith. Program has replaced the spontaneous praise of the, in the Holy Ghost. God help us. God help us. Not some program. Not some midweek service. Not some Sunday morning. Not some Monday night prayer meeting. But he said a spontaneous praise in the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said it's become a hybrid church. Oh, sir. God forbid that that is the case in Cloverdale Bible Way. He said he references to the mule, which is the most classic hybrid creature on the face of the planet. Everybody can identify, or I hope you not identify, <laughs> with no mule. Identify with the donkey or the horse, right? But don't identify with a mule. But it's the easy one to understand. He's, he's a funny animal. He can't reproduce himself because he's got no life that can do that. Isn't that terrible? He said you, can, yeah, you, can, you talk about work. He can outwork at the horse or the donkey. But he said watch his nature. He's stubborn. You can't trust him. He's a perfect picture of hybrid religion. He said, it hasn't the seed of life, it is dead. My goodness, it's dead walking on four legs. That's brutal. It can't talk about the truth, but it, it can talk about the truth, but it can't produce it. <laughs> so it's got the talk, but it can't walk the walk, is essentially what the mule cannot do. 
It doesn't have God in its midst, yet it gathers together and talks about God. And all the while systematically denies the power. That's a mule religion for you. He says the mule has no seed in him that can be quickened, but the donkey has seed. Amen. So God help us keep the word pure. Pressure to adapt to the things of this world. We don't want to adapt to the things of this world. We want pure, uncontaminated. We want the original. We don't want a preservative. I don't want, hey, I don't need no preservative to last long. You know, they put lots of preservatives in canning and such to, to make it last long. There ain't nothing you need to, to add into this word to make you last longer. But adding a preservative kills you before even the end of time. Sure it does. We're in a hybrid better world though. Nobody wants original. Everybody wants something to, you know, to conform to the day. Doesn't line up with our tolerances. Daniel didn't, didn't conform. Daniel didn't conform. There he was in the middle of Babylon. They were throwing a whole feast in front of him and saying, well, here you are. This is kind of the way it is now. And Daniel could have sat back and been like, well, I'm, I mean, good, goodness, what's going to happen to me? I, I, I better you know, kind of walk in step. Nobody can see me anyway. I mean, this is just kind of what I got to do. You know, here we are. And so, you know, here's the king's feast but before me. No, he didn't conform to it. Amen. He didn't conform to what was presented before him or the world that he was living in. He said, uh-uh, I'm going to eat pulse. I'm just going to eat the simple word. I'm not going to add in some man's idea or what they think about it or their two cents about it. And it might look, and wow, that looks, you know, it sounds pretty good. No, no, it doesn't sound pretty good. You want the little simple pulse of the word of God because that put into Daniel actually made him greater, stronger, more fulfilled, more nourished. Amen. That's what you need. Amen. High breeding stops the growth and the life that was inside and it halts it. God help us to stay true to the very pure word of God. Not breeding it with the things of this world. He said bunko games and basketball games and soup suppers and all these things. He said it's prettier, bigger building, polished people, singing maybe more orderly in the notes. (laughs) We sing with a joyful noise. I don't really care what the notes are. Don't get all caught up in how perfect our music needs to be. We have fantastic music. But you sing. You sing for the glory of God. I don't care if it's flatter than a pancake. If you sing with joy in your heart, we sing to the praise of God. Don't get all bound up because we didn't tinkle the ivories quite correctly or hit the wrong chord. We worship. Amen. Oh, this singing maybe more orderly in notes. He's old old-fashioned Pentecostal with a tambourine and a guitar. That's the old-fashioned way, my goodness. But he said it hasn't got the seed. It hasn't got the ring to it. They explain away at all. This is better than that was. Oh, it's the, just the perfect blend. <laughs> we don't want a perfect blend. We want original. Amen. He said God wants it the way, in the way it was that he made it at the beginning. The way it was. And so Satan knows if he can do this. He's like, well, I did it at the beginning. I just tweaked it just a little bit. I adjusted the word for the, for the liking of that moment. And if I can do it then, it's going to work now. So I'm gonna just, I'll just tweak it. I'll, just, I'll breed it completely right out of the picture. I'm going to just ask a question. Honestly, anybody, you give, me, you give me just one name. I'd like to know that has added their idea injected their thought to the word of this hour 
and said, well, it's just not quite that way. This isn't the way I think it is, and, and, and it's, I don't, we don't really need to believe that this way. And they have contaminated with their idea or their thought. Give me one name that has grown closer, more holier. Their life is a perfect picture of Christ. Just show me somebody. Oh, I'm putting it out there. It's not there. I agree. It is not there. That should be the litmus test. Someone says, well, I don't know. You say, okay, I'm just going to watch your life for the next little, little while. We're going to let time spin on. I'm going to do what I'm doing. I'm following the word the way that, I, that God has shown it to me. You inject what you want, and let's just say in five years from now, let's have a meeting again. And we're going to see if I'm standing here, still fervent for God, still living a true, pure life, and let's see what you do. If your hair is cut, your lips are full of makeup, your house is in disorder, let us see. I challenge you. It's a hybrid word, and it will fail. You'll never find one. You'll never find one. Now, God knew that Satan was out to destroy, out to intermingle with the seed and inject a death, essentially what Satan did. But I just want to, you know, he found a, God found a place that he could deposit his seed. Man, man is, is uh, when there's something precious, when there's something uh, you know, of, of extreme high value, they're going to put it in a precious place. You know, they treasure it. Man has lots of treasures. And they sure, they sure want to make sure it's stored correctly. And so they create vaults, big vaults. There are some honking vaults in this world. Safe places to keep treasure. I mean, they got the lasers and sensors and all this business because something extremely precious is inside. You know, they, they got a, they've got Fort Knox. I mean, who doesn't know of Fort Knox? Exactly. Nobody. Everybody knows about Fort Knox. There's 147 million troy ounces of gold for the U.S. in Fort Knox. They say, how secure is it? Uh, the one article I read, they said, we don't know because there's no documentation. So we're assuming it's extremely secure because it has a whole lot of gold sitting inside of it. It also has a Declaration of Independence inside there. It has the U.S. Constitution, and it had the Bill of Rights during the World War. This was a place that was built and is built to ensure that nobody can access without authorization. The Granite Mountain Vault. It's 200 feet into solid granite, horizontal into a mountain. It's actually by... um, uh, I want to say that either the latter, a church, or not the Latter-day Saints, but, but actually a uh, denominational uh, group in 1965. It was to preserve the necessary documents for the church. There's three and a half billion images on a microfiche. And there's digital media and microfilms and an incredible uh, uh, collection of various libraries and archives and, and, and family genealogies sitting there. And you can actually you know, call them and, and, uh, and, and they can access certain things for you. But it, it's, it's in this ex- huge mountain, huge vault. It has guarded doors that are 14 tons and they can withstand a nuclear blast. This is for microfiche. Three and a half billion of them. I bet you 98% of you don't even know what microfiche is. <laughs> All right. It's for media. It's for data. How's that? Is that better? Iron Mountain, they call it the underground. It is the largest in the world at 220 feet going down deep, and it's 1.8 million square feet 
in, uh, in its square footage. It holds the wills of Princess Diana of Wales and Charles Darwin and Charles Dickens. It holds Bill Gates' Corbis photographic collection of stock photos in which they keep in a cold temperature cave. Yeah, who'd have thought? People are putting millions and millions and millions of dollars into a vault, a secure place to hold something they call a treasure, incredible treasure. Cheyenne Mountain is another place that's got 25-ton doors, and it can withstand a 30-megaton blast. And this is, would mean that an atomic bomb that landed at Nagasaki, if, if, uh, if that bomb uh, that landed at Nagasaki would strike it, it would have to strike it a thousand times to get through the door. Yeah, that's in a mountain. But you know one that is considered um, one of the most secure in the world? In fact, some say it is the most secure in the world. Maybe debatable. It's deep in Norway. And it keeps seeds. Seeds. In that if there was a disaster in the world, they are preserving thousands and thousands of earthly the most secure vault, one of them in the world, for seed. Because if something happened, everything was destroyed in a certain area. They've actually done it in big tsunamis and certain things, and they've had to call, and they've actually used them because there's nothing. Places wiped out, and like, we need seeds. We, got, we can't grow. We're done. We're hooped. And so they go to the seed bank, and they pull a seed. And so even man is concerned about seed. One of the most secure, above, above some of these other ones, is a seed bank deep in the north of Norway. Because without seed, you got nothing. And God is focused. And God has a treasure. He's got a seed. And if you look at the scripture, he said, I need to find a place that I can place it. I need a secure, safe place. He says, I'm going to place it in an earthen vessel. Into you and into me. He said, really? Me? I'm I'm better than Fort Knox. Yeah, you are. He said, I'm better than the, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Svalbard, Seed Bank. That's pretty good. Yeah, deep in Nori. He said, no, it's impossible. No, because if you remember from last service, God, when he placed a revelation that strike your soul on a sacred ground where he met you, he said the fingers of the devil can't get there. So when he placed his seed inside of you in that deep region, devil can't get there. It's the most secure place on the planet for his seed. Amen. Amen. He didn't build some great walls. I got to place it down there because I can't make, I got to make sure the devil can't get it. I'm going to put 25 ton nuclear door, doors that can stand nuclear blast. No, no. He placed it in you. He placed it in an earthen vessel. This treasure in an earthen vessel. Think about it. Amen. No devil going to touch it. Amen. Why? Because of predestination. He said, if I can plant my seed in an earthen vessel, one that will believe my word. He said, all I need to do is bring the life of my spirit in contact with that word and it will become unstoppable. Ain't no vault can even hold it in because if he can connect with you, if the spirit can strike the seed, the light bursts forth and guess what? 25 ton doors can't hold you back. Yes, sir. 
He said, God, through a seed of his word, and there's only one thing that can quicken the word, that is the spirit, for it is the life giver to the word. And when the life and the word meets the life of the spirit, it produces whatever the seed is. Amen. And it's the seed of God. Guess what it's going to make? It's going to bring the word of God to life, into action. Amen. Amen. It produces incorruption is what it produces, an unstoppable power within. But when the spirit lands on a deformed seed, Brother Brown won't go into it, Brother Brown talks about it. He said it'll be anointed, but it'll produce what's inside. He said denominational seed will create denominational fruit. Brother Brown says, what happens when two omnipotents meet? Oh, it's a favorite quote to I'm sure many. He said, when God and man comes together, Amen. When the Spirit of God, the life giver to the Word, comes and connects with the Word of God, he says, whatever. He said, when they come together, two omnipotence, something, he says, got to shake. He said, whatsoever you'd say with that creative power of omnipotence of God, knowing that he's promised it, he said it in his Word. It creates a power that goes out yonder and brings things to pass. Things that is not, it makes them, though they were. Amen. That's the power. That, that happens when, when God's seed ignites the word seed inside of you. Amen. It goes far past Superman. It goes far past Superwoman. Don't get all goggly-eyed by the world and all its fantasy and all this science fiction. It's real, but it's in the word. Nobody wants the word these days. See, it's old-fashioned. Yeah, well, they're craving it. They're desiring it. They're, they're, they're thirsting for eternal life. And here it is before us. That's right. yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, just, the, just the old-fashioned gospel. It's eternity. Amen. You're carrying inside of you a pure treasure. Yes. Value beyond all value. A source of power that man has desired since the dawn of time. Satan desired it. This is what he's wanting. He said, I'm going to create Eden. I want power. I want to be worshipped. I, I want to be unstoppable. This was what he's desired. And God said, hmm, I'm going to place that power. I'm going to reserve that for just my people, my chosen people. And he placed what Satan's wanted, Michael. And he placed it in you. And he placed it in you. Because you're an earthen vessel, a vault, a secure place that his word can manifest in its power. Amen. You say, well, really me? Me, this, this earthen? I, I, I'm a failure. I make mistakes. I'm useless. Nobody cares for me. I barely get a call in three months. If that's the case, let me know. I'll call you. You say, nobody even thinks about me. I want to just bring to attention just a little portion, a portion of, of Scripture uh, if I can articulate it appropriately or un give, unload my burden, so to say about it, Lord knows. But I've been drawn to, this, to Matthew 1. Because to me there's, and I'll just turn to it here in my Bible. Because I feel like in Matthew 1 there's five beacons of grace. Monuments of grace that really stand before you. That if you ever come to a time where you're like, well, why would God choose me? And 
all of my mistakes and what I've done. And why, really, why would this, this earthen vessel hold an incorruptible seed that, that God wants to manifest and express himself through me? How is that even possible? I just I have a hard time believing it. Well, I want you to read Matthew 1. And I want you to go through because we know that God through time was, was going to, he told Moses that he was going to raise up a prophet like unto him. And, and here Satan had entered into the, into the garden and he caused in, in corruption to come in. But God was going to move through and he started to move his seed through time. He put, a, he put prophecy, as we said, the arrow was shot. And the word went forth, and he said, there will be a prophet, rise up like unto me. And so God's word was going forth. His seed was going to start to manifest. It's unstoppable. God's seed is unstoppable. It's going to move forward, whether the devil likes it or not. Whatever he tried to do and suppress, it wasn't going to really matter. But at times, I think the devil thought he had God. I think he had him stopped. I'm pretty certain he did. Because he would come through and it looked pretty bad. Uh, when you look at the starting of, of Jacob and, and all of the, all his 12 sons then start to, to rise up and all their issues, my goodness. And you're going to go through, through chapter 1, you start seeing certain names that are raised up. And you start to look at the five beacons of grace, as I would cause, call them. And you look at how the scripture says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas. Judas, or Judah, begat Pharaoh and Zerah of Tamar. Of Tamar. You say, really? Of Tamar. Who is this Tamar? Who, what is, who is this one that's sitting in, in Scripture? And if you go back to Tamar and you read Genesis 38, you look at a pretty, pretty dodgy story. I don't know if you've read it lately, but you can, you can just skip over. Oh, yeah, I know the story of Tamar. But no, Tamar was here given as a Canaanite woman. Je Judah was in a bad state. He leaves giving Joseph off to, selling him off to, uh, to the Ishmaelites. And he says, he said, this is no good, this is no prophet. He didn't want to kill Joseph. If you read the scripture, he says, this isn't profit to us. He was looking for a little money. Judah was not exactly being the kind one. You think, oh, Judah's being good. No, he's looking for a little money. Judah wasn't being good. And here then he leaves. From that time, he leaves off and leaves his brothers and goes and, get, and, and, and connects with the Canaanites. And here he then gets a, a Canaanite wife himself, so as the scripture speaks. And then Tamar comes in and he gives Tamar, a Canaanite woman, to his son. And his son is wicked and he gets killed. God kills him. I think he's the first one in the scripture that God kills for being wicked. This is Tamar. This is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is in scripture. And here Tamar is sitting. She gets, she gets moved down because the, the law would allow that if, if, the, if her husband didn't give her seed and they didn't raise up a seed, then he would be sent to the brother-in-law. And so the brother-in-law took Tamar and, and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And he, he mocked it before the Lord and, God, and he died too. And here Tamar then gets sent. Judah says, oh my goodness, this woman is probably pretty bad. I'm not going to give her to my, to my youngest. I'm going to send her away. And he sends her away and says, hey, you just go and, and uh, put on widowhood. And when my third son's ready, then, then I'll let you know. No, I don't think he had any intention there. So here she was now in widowhood. So to say, actually, she could have been let go is what some commentary said. But Judah didn't do that. And so now she's stuck. She's been in a mess of a situation, gone from man to man, and now she's sent off and she's stuck in, 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 in a quote, quote, widowhood. And here's Tamar, and she, and she had something. Something was driving her. Think about it. This is the lineage of Christ. Something inside of her was driving her. She, she didn't care. It wasn't for earthly pleasure and all of this. She said, I need seed. 
Because there's something that was driving her, an unstoppable force that said the, the lion of the tribe of Judah must prevail. She didn't know this. She's just living out whatever her life. But something is there. And so there she puts on, as they say, a, a, a prostitute look, a veil, I should say. And she sits there and, and she tricks Judah. And here Judah then, she receives seed. And here then he gives her a seal and all these different things. You say, what a mess of a story. This was God's unstoppable seed moving through Scripture, actually. You say, well, well, I'm just a terrible, terrible person. Look at my issues. No, look at Tamar. And she's in Scripture. You say, well, I'm not worthy of it. God who knew was going to believe his word. It wasn't by what, what your situations, your mistakes you make. He said, by your faith. Abraham lied. Jacob was a shyster. He just, Esau despised his birthright, but he said Jacob was a shyster. But because he, he despised the birthright, God hated him for it, even before he was born. Each one just proclaiming a tiny part of Christ in their different actions. And so then you go through past Tamar, and you read down through Scripture, and you come up to the next one after Tamar. There was different ones that were born, and then Salmon uh, begat Boaz of Rahab, and we know the story of Rahab, and we know the, the harlotry that she was in, sitting in a pagan life, and, and Brother Bram says even forced into a life of harlotry because of how she was living there, and something inside of her, though, said, no, no, I know there's a people. I hear, I've heard of the works of God. I've heard what's going on there, and the faith rised up in her. It didn't matter what her circumstances were or how wrong she had been. Her faith was looking to a promise. Her faith was looking to, to the God of Israel and saying, no, that that's a God. That's the God I want to serve. I, I, I want to leave this behind. And God placed her in the lineage of Christ because her desire, her desire was for the seed of God to move through her. Amen. Ruth, a Moabite, go through, continue. Not even a Jew. Rahab, not even a Jew. Tamar, not even a Jew. These are, these are beacons of God's grace sitting in Scripture. Says when you think you're down and out and you had a, you've had a rough life or you've had some waste, terrible times and, and God, how could God even see your, 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 quote, quote, your wretchedness? You look at Matthew 1 and you tell me if you line up with Tamar and what she all went through and how bad you would think God would look at her. God looked at her faith or her desire to produce seed and put her in his scripture. Ruth could have had an easy life. She could have resorted back to her prior ways. She could have left Naomi. She could have gone, gone on with, uh, in, back into Moab. And, and, but she had something welling up inside of her. She didn't even know where it came from. I'll tell you what it was. It was an hour of prophecy because God was going to have a lineage come through her. And she didn't even know why. Because she said, I don't know Naomi. But where you go, I'm going. And who you, who you serve, I'm serving. Your God is my God. And where you die, I'm going to die. Why? Because the seed inside of her that God placed in an earthen vessel was moving her to receive a seed of Boaz to proclaim that there's a redeemer. You go through Bathsheba. You think that's, well, that's a terrible story. Here David kills her husband, sees her in the nighttime when he shouldn't have. And here, actually, the scripture says, if you want to read it, if I can pull it up in front of me, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. It doesn't even say her name. It actually points back at, at what David did, the wife of Uri Urias. Here, Bathsheba actually had her husband killed. 
She had to mourn that. Then in the sin of it, her firstborn baby was killed. God took that. You think that's some pain? That's some agony? That's some situations that she had to go through? But God said, I'm bringing my seed to this. God brought his seed through that. To be a beacon to you and I. That God's grace is greater. Greater than all my sin. Greater than all my mistakes. Greater than every mishap that could have gone along the way. Greater than anything my parents could have done or how I was raised up. It's greater. It's greater than it all. It's sitting in Matthew 1 for you. You know, and it seemed like then everything. Well, this is God's seed. This was God's seed moving through the lineages. And then it like went dark. And Satan's like, no, exactly. It's gone. I think I annihilated it. Probably had a little moment of, of jubilee. And for 400 years, it seems like things went kind of dark. Isaiah spoke of it, but then, then it just kind of went ghost. <laughs> and that seed that seemingly seemed unstoppable was, was off the map. <laughs> it, went, it was off the devil's map. He lost the track. The little beacon device that he had placed there suddenly, boop, boop, boop. It's gone. Yes, I did it. <laughs> no, it just kept moving through. It kept moving through. God's seed's unstoppable. Yeah. It was just finding its way. It was working its way through the lineage as you go through all the way through. And then it came to a place. It came to a little lowly esteemed little lady. Someone of humble humility, just a nobody, just a nothing, don't know their name, don't, who, who's Nazareth, where's Mary, who is this person, does that look like anybody here, nobody, you know, nobody knows me, it don't really matter, God knows you, God knew Mary, he knew exactly where she was, and that lineage moved through, and there she is, just humbly doing her thing, just some lowly estate, little lady, and an angel stepped down into her midst, and started to proclaim to her, what's going to happen, you are going to receive seed, and conceive him of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's exactly, she says, oh my goodness, be it unto me according to your world. She was, a word, highly favored. Why? God had brought his seed. If you look back, each one of those other women in the Bible, they received seed from a man. And God placed them there. But now the fifth one, grace. The fifth one, faith deposited into the womb of a little lady. It wasn't seed of a man now. God's like, I've brought it to a point where there is another one that is going to receive my seed, my unstoppable word, and she's going to receive it into the womb of her heart, and she's going to believe every bit of it. Amen. Isn't that just like the eve of this day? Through all through time, if we could skip forward, the, the seed of God has moved through all the ages, the dark ages, and through it. It looked like over time, it maybe went completely void and vacant, and the Satan's like, yep, I did it again. But no, it just kept going. It kept really moving. The unstoppable seed of God starting to manifest itself till there came another Mary till there came another Eve that said okay now I'm going to receive the seed of God at the end of the ages grace came to the end it's like at the end here we are at the end at the end of where grace is going to find its ending point, it will find a womb. 
that will receive every bit of his word. Amen. You know what happened? When they received these women, when they received the seed, they were no longer remembered as harlot. Oh, that's Tamar. No, she became in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Because they received the seed. The seed they received wiped out the past. It wiped out everything that was behind them. Rahab didn't walk around, oh, that's, that's Rahab the harlot. No, that's Rahab Salmon's wife. Don't you dare talk to her like that. Who, who, who exactly is that? You know, Bathsheba, she became the queen with David. When they received the seed, all that past wiped away. When you receive the seed of God into the womb of your soul, all that past is wiped away. The grace of God covers it all. Don't bring it back up. I can tell you Ruth had no desire to bring back, oh man, do you remember all that time in, in Moab? She didn't bring it all up. Why would she want to do that? She was enjoying the benefits of Boaz. She was enjoying the benefits and the fruits of the field and the little one that would burst through her Obed. That's what she dwelled on. You dwell on the word of God. You dwell on the benefits of the seed of God. You draw in strength from what God has deposited. Don't you go back in the world, oh man, and bring up some past memories, some past history. It's covered by the blood. And it transformed those women into women of righteousness because the seed that was deposited within them. And it makes you sons and daughters of God of righteousness because the seed that's deposited within you. Not by power, not by might, not by anything you've done. God gave clearly five examples for you and I of his grace shouting forth saying, I place my seed in these earthen vessels and look what it produced it produced a king of glory he said I deposited you by my grace but Abraham says but there was a world you were in God's thoughts to give you the Holy Ghost because he knew that you'd be wanting it I love this he knew that you'd be wanting it And he chose you himself because you desired. He chose you in Christ before you or any of you was on the earth. He sent Jesus to die to prepare a way to send the Holy Ghost to bring you to himself. Amen. I love it. He knew that you'd want it. He knew you would desire him. He knew that there's something inside. He said, yes, I want all of you. And, and so he chose you. Yes. He said, he knew. how did God know he could trust he says, how did God know he could trust you to be a preacher, is what the quote said. And I was thinking, how did God know, know he could trust you to be a son or daughter of God? How did God know he could place his seed in your vault, in your earthen vessel? He says, his foreknowledge. Yes. Not that he willeth or runneth, it's God's show of mercy. He yes. said, that's right, predestination. He knew what was in you. He knew what was in you before you even come on earth. He knew what was in you before there was an earth. He said, that's him. That's infinite God. We're infinite We can only think finite, but he's infinite. Amen. Amen. And so, this seed process moved on through time. Devil thinking he could stop it. I can kill it off. He tried, he tried, he tried, he tried. Every moment he thought he, could, he, thought he had, a, had a moment of, of jubilee or, or victory, and it sprouted itself up again. But Abraham says, but, but the birth, the new birth that come by Christ can not die. Amen. Amen. Satan thinks he's got all the power. He says, no, I've convinced all these angels to come with me. I've raised up my own Eden. I have prepared. I can, I can do everything. I can deform. I can pervert. I have power. 
but he says, God, see, Brother Brown says the new birth cannot die. He said, that's one tree. He said, this tree, though it's been persecuted, made fun of since the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, and it cannot die. It's predestinated, clubbed and beat and everything done to it. And what happened? It can't die. Have you been persecuted? Okay. Brother Richard has. Brother Richard's been persecuted. Have you been called names? Yep, probably you have. Have you been scorned? Probably you didn't even know it. Somebody's just like, oh yeah, that's that worker. And they just went this direction. You probably don't even know it. But you're persecuted. And you're called different things. He says, and what happened? It can't die. It will not die. Because he's holding in him the predestinated word of God. It has to come forth. For his fruit is in its own season. Predestinated season. Amen. It's not that seed inside of you. It can't die. It can't. It will manifest at the appropriate time. He said, Joel saw every one of them eat down to the bottom. He said, I will restore, saith the Lord, for the predestination of God lays in the roots of the tree. It's got to come forth because it's holding the predestinated word of God. Oh, he says, what a tree. He's speaking about the bride tree. Oh, what a tree. This bride tree, because at her season, she is going to spring forth. The seed that is inside of her, it must come to life. Amen. Hold on to that. I don't know if you realize how incredible, how beautiful, how important, how, how, how worthy he is of praise when he can say that seed cannot die. There's a lot of seeds in this world. But the seed deposited in you cannot die. There's nothing the devil can do. He can stomp you, chomp you, do whatever he wants to do to you. You can put your face somewhere into the, into the ground, figuratively speaking, or maybe by a co-worker. And he can spit names at you, call you whatever. But you can't die. You cannot falter because inside of you is a seed that's going to come to life and, and express Christ. Amen. Oh, yes, there'll be Tamars, there'll be Rahabs, there'll be women, men of low esteem. But it's not your background, it's not your status in life, not your abilities or the lack of your abilities. It's because a seed deposited in you, his seed, incorruptible seed, the unstoppable seed of God that's going to keep pressing and moving forward regardless of circumstance. You're not an afterthought. You're not just like, well, well, that person didn't work. Yeah, you. Yeah, let, let's, I'm just going to, this, yeah, Michael, yeah, I'll choose you. I guess, you know, this didn't work, so I'm just going to choose you. That's not how God works. He's not, he's not thinking, oh, well, you know, not this one, not this one, that one. God already knew exactly what you would do. He had you in mind long before. You're not an afterthought. Oh, oops, I forgot this one. It's not how he works. You were in his mind from the very start. You were in the very beginning of his mind. You, you, you were the source. You were, you were the original. <laughs> you're not a second. You know, you're not, a, you know, an assembly line. They have, you know, like version A and version B and version C. It's like, oh, these are all the good ones, and then these are bad ones, and they go to a certain area. You're not version B. You're the original. You're coming right out of his thoughts. Same. You were right there at the beginning. You weren't just, oh, this is an extra. No, you are the original. He said, I'm going to live in you. I'm going to, you're going to represent me. I'm going to put my seed inside of you. You're going to be my bride. Amen. You're going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to send my seed into your soul. And you will be 
unstoppable. Oh, yes. Amen. You know, if God ensured all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament church, all through their struggles, all through their trials, all through their difficult moments, all through what looked absolutely impossible. You know, look at Matthew 5. Just think of all the, the, the accounts that went on in that one chapter. You think God is going to just at the end of time, at the end of ages, just kind of let everything go to pot? To pot? No. Never. His seed is going to do exactly what he has designed it to do. He's not caring about, oh, this oh this person disappeared and this didn't happen and this one walked away. And, oh, my goodness, after this many years. He knows exactly who's going to be here at the very end, worldwide in his bride. He knows his number, if he knows the gnats, if he knows the hair count of your brain. He knows exactly his seed, and she will be unstoppable. He's put too much care, too much purpose to get to this time just to think that it's just going to fall away. Mm -mm. Ain't going to happen. You think all pressures and cares of life, oh, it's just so hard, I don't think I can make it. You can. You can. You think, well, I don't know how I got through that day. You did. I don't know how I got through that circumstance. You did. Because something inside of you is driving you forward. Something inside of Tamar drove her forward to receive a seed so that she could become in the lineage of Christ. Something drove Rahab to just say, oh, I need to, that God, your God is real, to put a token outside her window to bear the shame. Something got her through it. That same seed of God is going to get you through your difficult situation, Sister Sherry. God's with you all the way. Satan, Brother Brown says, at the beginning, he started to spray his deforming poison all over the seeds. He's just spraying now. It's deforming all I can. Pervert this. He's just spraying his poison everywhere he can. And he's still spraying. He's spraying all he's got. He ain't doing this no more. He's got a fire. He's spraying as hard as he can every bit of poison that he can in your mind. He is just fogging you with doubt. He's pouring it on. He's saying, I just, if I can get one more, if I can just get one more derailed. But he, what he doesn't know is that inside of you is a seed. That seed is from God himself. And he placed it in an earthen vessel knowing that it's protected and it will come exactly the way he designed. Fog away, devil. But Abraham says, Satan tried again and again to spray it. He looked, took him up. He said, now, he's talking about Jesus. He said, now, if you say who you say you are, then do some healing here for me. Show me you can do it. Turn this bread into sto- from, from stone to bread. Let's see you take a dive. But Abraham said, because the scripture said you'll do it. He said, yeah, you see them religious devils still today trying the same thing. Oh, if there's such a thing as divine healing, this here lays brother so-and-so. Let's see you heal him. That's the devil. The same devil stood, stood at Jesus' cross. If thou be the Son of God, come down off the cross. The Word said he was the Son of God, and the Spirit proved he was the Son of God. Isaiah 9, 6 was fulfilled. He says, oh, Satan tried and tried. He says, I'll destroy him. Back, he was up back on the ship. There Jesus was laying asleep. Saying, I'm going to destroy him right this time. But Abraham said, but he couldn't. He tried to tempt him doing the wrong thing, but he couldn't. He'd been, Why? He'd been sprayed. I love this. Here, Satan done his spraying. He'd been fogging away. 
But he said, no, he couldn't do it. Why? Because he had been sprayed with the repellent of predestination. Glory. Before the devil even knew he had you, couldn't even put it on you. God had already lacquered you up. He put a repellent already on his seed. He said, ah, that's all they need is predestination. They just need to know that I had them in my mind long before the world even began. Billion, million, trillions of years. They were there in my mind. That's all that needs to wrap that little seed. Whoop, drop it in there. And the Satanists go, here's all the doubt he can throw at you. This message isn't true. This Bible's not true. It's full of this. It's full of that. Look at all these people moving away, falling away and doing this. Uh-uh. You've already got a seed protected, a repellent around it. You know what repellent does when the water goes on a duck's back? It just beats and rolls off. It don't do nothing. It doesn't penetrate the feathers. It just and rolls off. Amen. That's what Satan's words should do to your mind. It should hit it and just roll off because you're covered by the repellent of predestination. God's almighty word wrapping you around himself saying, oh, don't really matter. You're in my mind. You got my seed inside of you. Amen. What an armor spray. Huh? Yeah, you got an armor of invincibility. I don't care what they put on all their characters out there. You have it. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to have to skip over a little bit here. I looked at my notes and said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Because I had too many, and I was starting to cut this and cut that. My goodness, here we go. <laughs> oh, my. Brother Bram says, she is the second Eve. He said bring her, he's going to bring a bride out that won't fall by denomination or creed. No, sir. She's coming back with the pure, unadulterated word of God being manifested. This is you. He says, she is the second Eve, but she's not breaking Showing, spoiling her skirts of purity or of holiness to her husband. She'll stay with his word regardless of what anybody says. Amen. You can have all the ecumenical moves you want and all the affiliations that don't make any difference. The church will stand true in the fight. She's already proved it back yonder. She'll do it again in the face of everything. It's the word of God. Amen. All the ecumenical movements and everything else is gone. She's going to be there without spot or wrinkle. That's right. She'll stand there. Amen. You know why? Because she's got a code inside of that seed. And it is unbreakable. You know, they just in March mapped out the whole human genome. There was a, 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 a little percentage that they still couldn't get. 8% or so of the genome they couldn't, couldn't get due to technology issues. But now, 2022 of March or April, the journals came out and they said, we've done it. We've mapped the whole genome. We, we know all the genes and such of the human body. And they map these things so they can, they can you know, see where problems are. Maybe we can adjust this. They got the little snippers called CRISPR, and they can go and edit your genes if you, uh, well, there's a lot of ethics around that. So they're doing that carefully. But they're mapping viruses, and, and they're seeing how they can bring immunizations and such to those things. And so it's very important that they map so they can see the weakness. So they can find, well, how can we attack this? Or how can we adjust this to make it better? To make the perfect blend, right? But your seed inside of you, it's uncrackable. 
There's nothing the devil can't get in there and say, yeah, I've been working for 6,000 years and I finally did it. I finally mapped out the seed of God. I know exactly where all the issues are and I've got the perfect nuke bomb to, to, to go in there and blow it apart. I've got my own CRISPR tool and I'm going I'm to rework this area and I'm going to form that gene and it's the master plan I've got. Sorry, it don't exist. It is an uncrackable seed. It's incorruptible seed is what the scripture says. He cannot get in there and tap into that and somehow make an adjustment. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. You are, why are you a mystery? Because they don't know what's inside of you. What is it that just makes you live this way? I can't quite place it. Is there something different about you, Brother John? Have you ever heard that at work? Something's, I just can't quite place that. Well, what, what, something's different about you. Yeah, you got it. It's the mystery in the seed of God that lies inside of me that the devil can't tamper with. He can't adjust in any way. It can't be unlocked at any way, but inside of me, I'm a mystery to you because it's Christ, the mystery of God revealed in me to this world. How do you stand virtuous? How do you face the enticements of this day? How do you do that? How do you, how do you have a marriage that is going on for many years? How, how do you get through such a difficult sickness and, and such pain? How do you still do that and still praise his name? Because it's in your DNA. It's in the seed of God that's inside of you. That the devil can't put his finger on. He can't alter that a little bit. That's why seeds of God can go through all those difficult moments of Matthew 1 and go through that and still come forth in Scripture and be a testimony of God's grace. Because as the song says, it's the life behind the name. Amen? That makes the demons tremble. Amen? It's the life in the seed that makes you unstoppable. Maybe that's a new verse. <laughs> Amen. Brother Branham says, and if the man is ever born of the Spirit of God, he becomes a new creature and can't produce nothing else but godly fear, godly love, and the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Boy, I'm going to skip ahead here as we come to an end. If you're unstoppable, then you need to live it. Don't live like we're weak, because you're not. Because with the seed inside of you, like David, you know, David knew who he was. We know the scripture. We know the story inside and out, David and Goliath. But you know what's interesting? David looked for Goliath, more or less. He got there. He heard him boasting. He's like, who is this guy? He wasn't hiding behind the rock, being like, who, who is this guy? No, you got to say it the right way. Who is this guy? That's how he came, in paraphrasing. How come someone isn't going out there and taking care of him? This is what David was doing. He knew he was anointed. We've heard this before. So he lived like he was unstoppable because there was something inside of him. He knew God's anointed me for, for a position of king. So guess what? Where's Goliath? I need to take him out. That's what he was doing. He was living unstoppable, and he asked for the fight. (laughs) Come on, he asked for it. Amen. You know, when you you know you're invincible, there's a guy named Captain Spears, World War II, quite the um, insane soldier, did some incredible things. 
he, he ran through Foy uh, after the battle of uh, Baston and such. And he ran straight through Foy, which was, which was uh, full of German tanks and German soldiers. And there was a broken detachment. Uh, he had to get through to the other side. They had, they had got communication. Anyways, don't, won't even go into the history of it. And he ran from one side straight through the city. And all the German soldiers were like, literally, past all of them, got to the other side, delivered the message to get the troops figured out, and he ran straight back the same way he came, right through the German soldiers, and then they did this. They couldn't even believe it. Who is this guy running straight through? You know what? Soldiers went with the, they said, you know, if I'm not coming back, I probably, if I'm not, I'm not I don't think I'm going to make it, I'm going to war, so I'm just going to fight with everything that's in me. And they fought like they were, they were dead already. So you know what they fought like? Like they were invincible. That's why we fought. He said, figured out, you know what? I'm not going back home. I'm dead already. I'm here in battle. I mean, he got dropped in D-Day more or less. And he fought like you wouldn't believe, like a David fought essentially, saying, you know what? Bring it on. Here we go. I'm unstoppable. So let's get, let's get this fight going. Yeah. That's how you're supposed to fight here in this Laodicean age. Say, devil, I'm unstoppable. Brother Bram says, watch them two seeds, one fighting, the evil trying to destroy the righteous seed. He said they're trying to destroy the righteous branch of God, and he has been driven to destroy. Oh, time and time again. He, still, he can't even believe you're still here. He, he, always, he, just, he can't figure it out that this seed inside of you is so unstoppable. He, he's still scratching his head even now today. But I wanted to bring it down just as a close, if I can, and skip a whole bunch and try and figure out where I'm going to land here like this. It's not that easy, you know, <laughs> to skip a whole bunch. <laughs> Brother Bram says, Christians, they're rugged. My, I won't even read the quote because it, it almost made me, uh, uh, as I walked it, he says, my goodness, they're men of faith, rugged men. Oh, my, said, they serve God day and night. And genuine seeds, he goes, not hybrid denomination. They don't look, ask for favors. They're original seed. They, he just goes on and on on how, on how they live. And he quotes the song, must I be carried home to heaven on a flowery bed of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas. He says, I, do, I, do I need to be patted on the back like this and that and the other and babied? He says, I expect my place out yonder with the rugged. I expect not to come up there with no bloody, no scars. He says, I'm in, so essentially double negative. I'm going to be there. I expect to be there with scars. Because he goes, if I must fight, I must fight if I must reign. So we must fight. You're a seed of God. Seeds of gods are like rare boxers. You just can't, they just never go down. You know, certain ones that just never stay down. You know, they're in the boxing ring, and they'll, bam, they get plowed, and they go down, and you're like, buddy, just stay down. If you know what's good for you, stay down. And they just climb themselves back up off the ground, and you're like, seriously? You just took that? But there's got something inside of them. They said, I'm not going to be stopped here by this guy. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go, and bang, he's down. And it's like, one, two, and he just, like, crawls himself back up off the mat. Yeah. That's a seed of God. Because Satan is punching. And he's punching hard. And he's saying, stay down. Popped you one. He's in a certain circumstance. Where he's like, whap. He's like, yeah, take that. And you're like, no. You start reading your Bible. You feeling low. 
But you get in prayer and say, oh God, I don't know, I don't know how to take this today. I, I need your strength. How, how do I handle this situation? I need wisdom. And you just get right back up. You might take you a little bit, but you get back up. And the devil's like, what on earth? That's because you're a seed of God. Something inside of you won't give up. Sons and daughters of God will never give up. And I know some of you have some pretty brutal situations. You have some difficult family situations. You have circumstances in your life that really, on a natural sense or in a figurative sense, probably knocked you a bit senseless. But you're a seed of God. And the reason why you're still standing right now, the reason why you're still up, is because what's inside of you is unstoppable. You have an infirmity, punch after punch. He's knocked it down. And time after time, you got back up. Musicians, you can make your way here. But there's one last match. I'd say the greatest match of all time, if I can close on this. There's many fights in history, many head-to-head matches, some of them that have awed humanity over time. I'd say David and Goliath was one incredible head-to-head. Gladiators, they had some head-to-heads in those days. My goodness, there's the Wild West duels at high noon. I'm sure some of those are probably a sight to behold. <laughs> These were one-on-ones. These moments of history. Then we come into maybe current day and age and oh, the world consumed with their mixed martial arts or something like that or different wrestling matches or, or boxing as we've been saying. And I'd say though there is one indeed in the boxing realm that it probably goes down as probably the highest uh, you know, fighter I should say of all time would be Muhammad Ali. And if you look a little bit of what he's at, he was quite the, uh, quite the champion of the boxing realm. 22, he was a world heavyweight champion, defeated fighters like George Foreman, George Quarry, George, Joe Fraser, lost to Joe Fraser, then beat Joe Fraser. All the different, I want to go into the, his history, won 56 out of 61 fights, 37 of them were knockouts. He was the first boxer to win the heavyweight title three times. He would say he was the greatest, he would say he was even the prettiest, he'd say he's the best. You name it, he probably said it, and most people would probably agree on that realm. He was and packed probably one of the biggest punches man has probably ever saw in the ring. And the world watched these rounds over the years, and they made history. But I'd say there is a fight as we close. There is a head-to-head fight that's been going on for 6,000 years, up to even to this day. And it is still an ongoing fight, and it happened immediately after Eve doubted the word of God. And a champion from hell rose up, and his rise to fame and his name was Death. And he, start, he threw on the gloves after that day in Eden. And he started his work in the ring. And year after year, and person after person, each one succumbed to the knockout that death could give. And even God's people, as Moses even came up, he would, and David and Gideon, warriors of God even, Samson, who fought like a lion with a jawbone. But when it came to that moment, as I said in the beginning, everybody comes to somewhere. They're, they might feel unstoppable to a moment when they get in their final ring with death, who dones his gloves, and at one shot, pow, they're done. He is the champion. No one's beat him. Elijah, or John the Baptist, even he thought. But Abraham said last night, we found the devil does have a power. That power is death. And after death, the devil can do no more. He finished at death. 
and how he brought Moses right down, and he was, how he was born. He killed all the children, and Abel, he killed, did the same thing, and just paraphrasing quickly, he said in the royal seed and chronicles over in the book of Matthew, and he just kept, death kept fighting in the ring, and kept, kept nailing every single one, and no one, no one could stand before death's punch. They couldn't even put a punch on him, because before they even tried, bang, death had him. And so then, but we came to a moment. I love this moment. Death thought he was the Muhammad Ali of all time, I'm sure. Maybe vice versa, I should say. But here he came as one came, the unstoppable seed of God that came through all the years, the lineages as he went through Matthew 1, that unstoppable one that went through the lineage to find a Mary so that he could pour himself into a womb and create a body. And the devil still, nah, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. And death kept having a victory after victory. And then death came up and he says, all right, so you think you're the son of God, do you? You really think that you can conquer me? I am undefeated. No one has defeated me. And so here, as Jesus bore his cro- the cross up to Calvary, death is just waiting his time, saying, you, you think you're that one, eh? And Satan, Brother Brown even talks about, we might even say, how he, he, he just he doubted it all the way. And so as Jesus stood on the, was nailed to the cross, death put on his gloves one more time. Scripture says he hung his head and gave up the ghost. The knockout punch seemingly delivered. Death went to do his report back, headed back down to hell. But something on his way down, he felt, that just felt a little different. That didn't quite feel the same same way when, when I just... Pop that right jab or left jab. Something, he was, he was a little bit unsure now. Something rattled him right down to the core. And so he's pondering this thought as, as he walked into, into devil's headquarters. He said, you know, something happened down there. Yeah, well, did you, did you take care of, of that one that's been saying he's the son of God? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. But yeah, something isn't just quite right. I feel like something happened to my power quite at that time. Oh, what do you mean? Well, I just don't know what I mean, but as I, as I left, as I never... Just hold that thought. Hold that thought. Well, I don't know if you want me to hold. Hold, just hold that thought. Someone's at the door. Go on and get that one. I got to handle this one. And in walks somebody. In walks somebody that is still bleeding from the cross of Calvary. He's saying, devil, I've come down. And death is standing there saying, well, wait a second. Who, who is this one? You're the one I just gave a knockout punch to up there on Calvary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the unstoppable one. It's scripture that he only had. Scripture said one, or scripture only gave him one. He said that he was going to walk down into hell, but it wasn't going to leave him there. So he confidently walked up to the door of hell because he knew he was going to rise again. And he knew, he said, I got some business to do with this champion that they call death. And so here he walks into the grave and the door opens up. And he says, well, yes, death was just telling me that he took you out. It's about time you finally, finally got here. Brother Bram says, oh, you finally arrived, huh? And so he says, yep. He says, I thought I had you way back then with Abel. I thought, you know, I had you back there with Daniel. And Brother Branham, you know, describes it. I thought they only had those 400 years of silence when nothing seemed to happen. I thought I had you then. And then I beheaded John because something sprung up. And I had you then. But now that you popped up here. And guess what? I sent my champion one more time. He's the undefeated one that could come. And no one has ever done anything to him. So welcome. <laughs> welcome to hell. 
and see Jesus stand there for a little moment. He says, yeah, well, I always wondered when that Roman soldier put a bandage around your face and smote you. He said, oh, maybe this could be one. If you're a prophet, tell me. Yeah. He says, ah, oh, when you're going up on the hill to Calvary, I just wasn't satisfied still. But then when I said, come off the cross, if you're really the son of God, come off the cross, and you never did it. And I knew then, it's not who you said you were. And as you can see, my champion just gave you the final knockout. But Abraham says he's always looked for that seed. He knowed that the seed would be a conqueror. So he's looked for him. That's why he was always constantly checking. Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? <laughs> I can see Jesus say, well, devil, that's what you thought. Brother Bram said, I can see him walk over the devil and put his hands to his face and say, Satan, you've been in authority too long. But I am the virgin son of God virgin born and he said my blood is still wet on Calvary and sorry devil but this is the final round just come come here death because we got one more round to fight you might have taken me up there but I got scripture that says I'm unstoppable because my flesh won't see corruption so just walk up here and death in his confidence says well if I got you one time I'll take you again and I can imagine as he raised up his left hook to come in there Jesus Christ took a pop the final knockout. Amen. He's in the devil said, what is the, what's going on? My champion is on the ground. How can this be? Why? Because he was unstoppable. He said, you can't hold me here. But Abraham says, uh, you know why he jerked the keys off his belt? Because he's standing there in shock. Can't believe it just went on. He says, oh, he stood there, took the keys from his, from his waist. He pushed him right back, slammed the door in his face, shook the suit pegs off hell in his eyeballs. That's why the devil left him standing there, kicked the door closed. He actually said he smacked him in the face. You bet he did. He popped him a good one. And that's what happened back in hell as the, as the, as the life had just gone forth because the seed of God said, I'm the unstoppable, incorruptible, overcomer in this day. And guess what? It's going to happen one more time. Sorry, musicians, but you just hold that thought. Because God popped death and put him in his place and stripped the victory, stripped the sting from him at Calvary. But you know there's just another time. But Abraham says he went down and took captivity captive. I can just imagine him saying, death, just try and stop me. As he took his way as king of glory. But there's another match coming. There's another match coming. You know, death still, he, 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 it's so, people have died since then. <laughs> it's so unfulfilling for him because he knows it, it just, there's no sting in his death no more. Right. At least for you and I. And, and, and he has no fulfillment. He's beaten. He's oh. defeated. Yes. He's just completely sacked. Yes. He's out. But you know, there's going to be a people. I just pondered this. I know I'm a little over long. Oh my goodness, Lord, have mercy. Can you forgive me? Play something for the Ben. You can stand. We're going to sing Champion of Love.
But you're standing in a ring of life right now. And you're on a face-off. And he's coming at some point in just a, maybe a few short time with a heavyweight loser called death. Because inside of you is the same incorruptible seed that was in the one that conquered death. That's inside of you. It's inside of me. And then one morning, bright and clear, Brother Bram says, maybe between the hours of six and nine, death is going to be still on his path of duty. But I was just imagining that maybe there'd be one that was maybe laying in a bed of illness as that rapture cycle starts to blow. And that one is laying on a bed of affliction. And death is just waiting there saying, well, I know this doesn't mean much to this person, but, you know. And he's waiting there. And maybe God would allow just this perfect crossing. As in that twinkling of an eye, that one is about to take that final breath. And death takes his punch. And says, yeah. But at that perfect moment, nothing happens again. He's like, wait a second. That was weird. (laughs) And his hand was broken. Because like he just punched a concrete pillar. Because that one just received a breath. And that corruptible, that corruption, at that moment put on incorruption on its outside. and said, sorry, death. I'm just repeating what my God did on Calvary. You tried to knock me out. But there's a people that are going in a rapture. You've swung your last punch on this bride. I am an unstoppable seed of God. I pray that moment can happen. And death is going to be ultimately, ultimately conquered. Because no more, Brother Jeff, will he have any gloat over anybody. Because there will be no more seed of God ever to be knocked again by the punch of death. Amen. That's why we have a champion. A champion of love. Amen. Let's sing that as we close tonight. Well now, ladies and gentlemen, may I have attention.
arena and I lay a knockout punch to death amen and in this arena you too will lay a knockout punch to death not that he's not knocked out already amen you have a wonderful week my apologies for taking so long maybe I'll preach like next year so I'll take up two services worth there amen God bless you you're unstoppable because his seat is inside of you let's live it like a David amen Heavenly Father Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, it's beautiful. Lord, it's, it's so, for me, Lord, it just thrills my soul, thrills my heart, Lord. That, Lord, what you did all through time and through the ladies of Scripture, Lord, and how, Lord, they're so unworthy, Lord, of your grace. But, Lord, in this earthen vessel, you place a seed, Lord, that is unstoppable no matter the circumstance, no matter the difficulty. You showed a pattern. You've given us your scripture. May, oh God, this last day bride, this eve, Lord, will stand firm on the word of God. I pray you go with your people now. May, Lord, they have a wonderful week. Our believers, Lord, in the U.S., a wonderful Thanksgiving as they, Lord, just spend a little time, a little holiday time, Lord, just thinking about the goodness of God and that what you've done for us now. We dismiss, Lord, your people. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful week and a weekend. Canadians, don't envy the Americans too heavily for their long weekend they got. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.